What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Faithfully Deconstructing Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the rapture and tribulation, a little bit about it, and how some of the media around it has been used in a negative way. So if that sounds interesting or relatable to you, stick around. So one of the biggest things that I've had to deal with from my childhood is fear over the rapture, or more specifically, being left behind, plus the tribulation, of course, after it, and possibly losing my head, literally having it chopped off for being a Christian. Yes, that is a part of this story. So, welcome to another piece of my deconstruction puzzle and probably the one that scared me the most as a kid and a teenager. Now, just to start out, for those who aren't familiar, there are four different beliefs when it comes to the rapture. There is the pre-tribulation rapture, and this is a view that maintains that the rapture occurs when Jesus comes secretly to gather the church prior to the seven-year great tribulation that precedes the return of Christ to earth. So basically, this is where Jesus comes back and gets everybody that is a Christian at that point and brings them up into the sky for that seven years. There is the mid-tribulation rapture, and this one is kind of similar to the pre-trib, except that it locates the rapture after about the first three and a half years. So basically, Christians have to endure about the first three and a half years of the tribulation, and then they go up into the sky. Now, after the first three and a half years, that's kind of the point where most people think the Antichrist is going to assume power. And so also in this version, Christians won't have to deal with, you know, too much of the nasty stuff. There is the pre-wrath rapture, and this one basically argues that the rapture is going to occur at the end of the tribulation before the outpouring of God's wrath prior to the return of Christ. So like just before he comes back, y'all are going to go up into the sky and not have to witness God's ultimate wrath. And then, of course, there's the post-tribulation rapture. And it is just what it sounds. Basically, Christians are going to have to live through absolutely everything, including God's wrath. Now, growing up, my family was a pre-tribulation rapture family. And honestly, their main focus was basically just living well, you know, living in a godly way so that we wouldn't have to live through the tribulation itself because they believed that everybody was going to be taken before absolutely anything happened. Now, fear of the tribulation period was, of course, drilled into me as a child in a large part through media and honestly quite effectively. I remember movies like A Thief in the Night and the Apocalypse series, as well as the popular Left Behind series, and they did a fantastic job of just absolutely terrifying me as a child. And unfortunately, a lot of these movies were shown in youth groups as well. In fact, I had somebody reply to a tweet of mine, giving me their story about how they were shown these movies in youth group. And I know you're thinking, okay, you know, some Christian media can't be that bad, right? Well, these movies, for example, and I believe it was Apocalypse, and I'll talk a little bit more about that one here in a minute. And I believe a couple of the other ones did too. I believe A Thief in the Night had a scene like this as well, where Christians would essentially be questioned by the authorities, those Christians that were left behind, and would then have to strive to be as godly, essentially, as they could be so that they could still go to heaven after the tribulation. But they would be questioned by the authorities because they didn't want to receive the mark of the beast in order to buy and sell. And if they didn't reject Jesus and receive the mark, they would literally be put under a guillotine and have their heads cut off. Like, yeah, that's a great thing to scare kids with. Honestly, like, how do you justify having your kids watch that kind of stuff? I mean, at that point, your kids aren't even receiving the gospel because they want to. They're not receiving it out of love. They're receiving it because they're afraid of having their heads cut off or being tortured in some, like, horrific way. And look, maybe I'm overstepping here and I'm overthinking it a little bit, but uh, that kind of feels like child abuse to me. I mean, as a kid, like when I had to watch these movies, I also at the same time was not allowed to watch horror movies. 
I wasn't allowed to watch them because of the satanic themes, the violence, the gore. You know, essentially they were too graphic. But movies about literal torture and death because you were a Christian, those were totally okay. Now, like I was saying earlier, one of the biggest ones that stands out in my head is Apocalypse. As well as the three sequels, one actually starring Gary Busey and another one stars Mr. T. I believe the correct order for the movies was Apocalypse, Revelation, Tribulation, and Judgment. And yes, they are just movies, but to a child, again, it's something completely different. Especially when you're being told that this is reality, this is going to happen. Now, I want to sidetrack on this same point for a second, and I know there's going to be some people who don't like this, but I want to look at how this relates to a cult-style tactic. It's called Phobia Indoctrination. This is essentially where they play on a person's irrational fears, and it could be anything like threats that if the person leaves the group or stops following the cult, they will develop cancer, go insane, or in this case, they may be physically tortured if they ever leave or question the group. Now, let me clarify. I'm not saying that all churches, religious organizations, or whatever are a cult. But if you do have a church or a group of people and those tactics start lining up, maybe it's time to take a look at that group. Especially when that behavior is encouraged by the church when it comes to raising a child. I mean, I was strongly attached to my church for years in part because of this. I was so thoroughly terrified as a child of being tortured or murdered during the tribulation if I was left behind that I stuck as close to them as I could. So this is where I'll go ahead and like kind of bring it back around to my original point and why it's been one of the hardest things I've had to face down during my deconstruction. Instilling fear in children about things like this can cause lasting psychological damage. And this is something that we know we've done studies on this. It can cause anything from post-traumatic stress disorder to anxiety, panic attacks, and they can last well past adolescence. Now, for me, it created a lasting fear that if I lived wrong, I'd be one of those people left behind to suffer. And I took this through a lot of my life. In fact, I still occasionally think about it and deal with that irrational fear. And it's honestly affected many parts of my life. I think one of the biggest parts, though, probably was my sexuality. And this is just an example for me. From my own experience, it is different for everybody. But I spent many, many years of my life running away from myself because I'd rather do that than have to deal with it. Because I was afraid that if I dealt with it, I'd be living in sin and then I'd be risking being left behind. I mean, that's a big part of the reason why I've had the journey I have and why facing down my own sexuality was a large part of my deconstruction. In fact, I didn't come to terms with being bisexual until this last year at 34 years old. Now, for those who might remember, I did first come out as gay before really exploring my own feelings and realizing that I had an attraction to both. Of course, thinking back on it now, I kind of jumped the gun on that. I had never explored those feelings like at all. So when I first started to, I hyper-focused on that one aspect rather than just sitting back and giving myself actual time. And that, again, is one of the issues in growing up in a home like I did. When you start exploring different feelings as an adult rather than being able to cope with them growing up, it creates a lot of confusion. This is where you get some people that might flip-flop back and forth, not know who they are. And I had to really take a step back and breathe in order to figure out who I was. And I'm definitely not alone in that. I have actually talked to many other people who have had the same experience after facing religious trauma as a child. And again, like I said, it's not just relegated to sexual attraction. That was simply an element of my own experience and one that I can talk about. But it can absolutely affect more than that. And you know what's really sad about the whole thing is that the parents using the media and other things to scare their kids with images of death and torture related to the tribulation aren't honestly even meaning to cause damage. Now, do I think that excuses it? No, I don't. 
But like growing up, for example, I know for a fact that my parents never meant to cause me any harm at all. They believed they were doing the right thing. They believed that they were preparing me for something that was going to happen. In fact, I've had my mom tell me before, and I think this kind of sums up everything really nicely, that she was essentially just afraid for my soul. Again, I'm not saying it excuses it, it kind of screwed me up for years. But I can at least understand that the intentions may have been good. Alright, so with that depressing little segment out of the way, let's go ahead and just keep it going with my Trash Preacher of the Week, where we toss out the worst of the worst from the previous week. Welcome to the Trash Preacher of the Week. So today's selection isn't a traditional preacher sitting behind a pulpit. His name is Gabe Poirot. I think I'm pronouncing the last name right. Now I know when we hear the word preacher we tend to think of like that traditional setting, but honestly we really shouldn't be sleeping on these social media pastors, or social media preachers. They have some of the biggest followings. Keep in mind this being 2022, social media tends to be how a lot of people consume information, including that of a religious nature. And honestly these internet preachers aren't just on Sundays and Wednesdays, they're on all day every day. So this clip is actually covering something I mentioned on last week's episode, and that is the First Amendment to our Constitution, reflecting the idea of a clear-cut separation of church and state. Let's go ahead and roll the clip and we'll get back to the specifics after. My Jesus isn't just a day of the week for me. He's my best friend. He is caring and, and involved in every single area of our life, and he should be yours too. And if he really is, you will give him politics. You will give him the government. You will give him every area. One of the biggest lies that Satan has ever sold you is the separation of church and state. You need to understand this. That separation of church and state in the Constitution that it was written wasn't about putting God out of everything. No, it was actually about not forcing a one form of God upon another person. But it wasn't forcing God out. It wasn't forcing the Bible out of schools and welcoming in drag queens and that just craziness. So part of what he says here is correct. It was in part about not forcing one version of God onto another person who doesn't believe the same way. But what he gets only half right is that it wasn't about forcing God out of absolutely everything. Like yes, it wasn't about forcing God out of absolutely everything. It's your freedom to worship how you want to. No, it's about keeping anyone's God out of decisions made for the benefit of all Americans. It's about not making laws that cater only to Christians. It's about not falling into a theocracy. These are the parts they ignore because a theocracy is their ultimate goal. See, Gabe here is just another gear driving that forward. Well, all right, everyone, it's that time again. The ending segment of the show where I like to take one of my short-form TikToks and give it a little bit more context. This time around, I have a short clip from everyone's favorite hate preacher, Steven Anderson. So let's go ahead and roll that clip, and I will be back. Okay, but number two, so number one, complaining about your food. Number two, complaining about your church. You spoiled little sniveling brat. And by the way, this is similar to complaining about your food because one of your church's main purposes is to supply you with spiritual nutrition. Just like mom is giving you nutrition at home. So to get right to the point, he's essentially saying that you should never question your church leaders. This is honestly a play straight out of the How to Run a Cult guidebook. How to Run a Cult for Dummies. In fact, this is the final in the eight steps on how to successfully run a cult. 
Eventually, I'll go through all eight because I can apply them to a lot of different preachers, especially those in the NIFB churches. In fact, I might make it next week's main topic. But for now, step eight is zero tolerance of criticism. This final step is absolutely vital. Shame anyone who questions. Shun anyone who leaves. Continuing control relies on absolute obedience and members being afraid to leave. After they've made their members dependent on them and successfully isolated them from most of the people outside the church, they need to squash any possible dissent. They do this by promoting a culture of fear, especially a fear of questioning church leadership. I mean, listen in the clip how he compares questioning your church leader to questioning your parents or being disobedient to your parents, and how he insults people who might question him. And it works. It's part of almost every cult we can think of. They can't have people questioning them because it might lead others to begin to question them as well. Ultimately, it could lead to them losing control over their followers. And the NIFB churches especially, although several others do do it, preach fairly often about listening to church leadership without question. In fact, speaking of shunning, Steven Anderson, on video before, has kicked people out of his church for questioning him, shunning them from the entire group. And that's the end of the show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I will talk to you guys next week.